Welcome to New Life Horizon Church. The service is already in progress, and if you wish to contact us, you may dial 469 397 If you wish to subscribe to our SoundCloud, it's soundcloud.com at New Life Horizon Church. Welcome. So I wouldn't let go. Anybody in here ever felt like giving up? Just throwing in the towel, just giving up. I'm not going to ask you to hunch anybody, but just look at them. That person you're looking at is here tonight only because of God's mercy and his grace. Somebody ought to just tell God, thank you for your mercy. And your grace that kept me. celebrate a birthday or to celebrate an anniversary. Some persons just died. And we just don't want to take it for granted that God gave us life or that he allowed us to live. Why did he choose you to live and to celebrate a birthday and someone else to die? And that's the love of God. I want to also shout out to my son Sean. This week Sean worked with me and we were just researching scriptures and he researched scriptures based on the topic I said to him. This is what I'm working on and he researched the scriptures and he, and he actually wrote me a document. Ouch. And I said to him, you need to further that. You need to build on it. You need to ask hard questions and build on that document. 
And I want to thank him. I'm not sure if he's listening, but if he is listening, thank you, Sean, for assisting me, for looking up. Because this week was just a busy week. <laughs> and he was just looking up scriptures. And I, he said to me, do you want to hear where I'm reaching? I said, no, just give me a finished product. And he gave me a document that I read on Friday. Documenting his research and, and his thoughts in it. And I just want to thank him. And so, Father, I thank you for how you continue to blow our minds and the things you continue to do. We thank you that it is your word that will go out today. It will your word that will accomplish that which you want it to accomplish. It is your word from the, from the onset. It is your word. And all we do, we, 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 we make ourselves available to be used by you to speak back your word into the now situation. We read the then, but we now apply it to our now. Because you are still speaking, even with a word that was written over so many years ago. You are still speaking to us, still representing us, still showing us that you are a loving God in our present situation. And for those who will be born and come coming after us, God, when we are gone, your word will continue to be life because you are the God of love. And you continue to speak love. You continue to speak love to the hearts of your children, those who are yours, those who say yes to you. And you continue to call those who have not yet surrendered through your word. And so, Lord, we thank you that today as I speak, I speak not of my own, but I stand and I give you full utterance, Lord. My body is yours. I'm only a temple, a vessel through which you can work. So speak, Father. Your servant, your servant is available. Your servant is able. Your servant is workable. Your servant is usable. Speak, Lord. I am willing to be a vessel for you. And so, Father, as the word go, may the servants of the living God who hear your word be receptive to your word. May your word bring transformation. May your word cause change. May your word spur us and stir us, Father God. Stir our hearts to, to doing more and to, to surrendering more and to desiring more and to loving more and to love you more and to please you more. So, Father, be glorified this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So the topic of my message this morning is the God of love calls his children beloved. The God of love calls his children beloved. And the scripture this morning is 1 John 2. It's a very long scripture from verse 28 to 1 John 3. 10. So it's 1 John 2, verse 28 to chapter 3, verse 10. And it reads, And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ, so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. 
Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. Chapter 3. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we're already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have, his, and all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And do you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him? Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, do not let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning, because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. So now, we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So the scripture starts out by telling us who the love of God and who God is. And what I want you to take away or to walk away with today is that if you are a child of God, God loves you and he calls you his beloved. God loves those who are his and he, he, he calls his children my beloved. How could a loving God allow his children to suffer? to be abused or abandoned? And that is a question that we ask sometimes and, and the world is asking this question. So if this God is a God of love, how can he love but not respond immediately to the cry of those who are trusting him? And why would he not grant us what we ask in prayer? Like me, you may have asked one or more of those questions when life seems unbearable and never-ending. You cannot envision why a loving God would allow anyone to be in a certain situation for a prolonged time without changing it. Or you may be wondering, how can God love someone who is messed up and have done or, done or said things that make them unlovable? So you may be one who is asking, how can a loving God allow certain things to happen? Or you may be saying, how can God love me based on what I have done or what I have said? But this morning I want to, to share with you that God is love. 
And when you are his child, you are his beloved, even when you cannot trace his hands or don't feel worthy of his love. You are loved. God loves us because he is love. And he cannot help but love. We are to trust his heart and rest in his love because all that he does is motivated by love. Earlier this year, I had a conversation with my father where I called him and I said to him, I can't recall as a child hearing you say to me, I am loved. And I say, said to him, my love bank is empty. And so I need you from going forward after this conversation to call me every day or text me and tell me that you, you love me. And my father started out well. And he, every day I would either get a text or a call. And sometimes he would say, I love you, my daughter. And you could hear that he was trying because it was natural. He was trying. And then it, after a while it changed where it was no longer every day. It became every week. And then it became periodically I would hear. I, there was no pattern after a while. But I got, I heard from him. Every time we spoke, I heard him say to me, I love you. And so last week I was there talking to the Lord and I was telling him that for some strange reason I felt so, so much confidence in the fact that he, God, loved me. And I realized that I was no longer needing my father to tell me on a daily basis that he loved me. And I had an epiphany. I realized that I am loved it's like my mind's eye was open to the fact that I am loved. And it's like God was saying to me, when you know that you are loved, you don't need to be reassured every day. You don't need your father to call you every day and say, I love you. Because you already know and you act and you believe it and you act out of being loved. The things we know and we believe, we don't need to be reassured of. I don't need for you to tell me this morning that I'm a woman. I know I'm a woman, even though my voice is husky. I know that I'm a woman. And as believers, our self-worth is based on the fact that God loves us and calls us his children. We are his children now, not just in the distant time or when you do something right. We are his children now, the mere fact that we, we have accepted his forgiveness and his love. We are his children. And so you, you don't need him to tell you tomorrow morning that you are loved. You don't need for him to tell you next week, every day, that you are loved. You know that your God is a God of love and he does nothing else but love. Even when he's disciplining, it is out of love. So knowing that we are his children should encourage us to love as Jesus did. And so I want you to walk away today knowing that if you have surrendered your life to Christ, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, if you, you are loved, you are loved whether, you, whether you, are, you feel worthy or not, you are loved. Whether everybody else don't love you, he loves you. When nobody else can't stand you, he loves you. 
And last week I recognized that we were called by Sister Frida to make this change in, in our perspective, to change our minds in the way we think, even in this Advent season. Because Advent, as she told us, was not only a celebration for four weeks. It was a lifelong process of hoping and trusting and having peace and joy and faith and experiencing the love of the one who loves the most. And she then said to us, so you can have love and peace and joy and hope at work, in your home, in your school, and wherever you go, because you are a child of God. And so we recognize that being children of God, we have a, the benefit of living each day loved. We have the benefit of having the hope, because the hope that we have out of being loved causes us to bear joy. When you're hopeful, you can experience joy because you have something to look forward to. When you're hopeful, you can experience peace. We lose hope and we lose joy and we lose peace because we have failed to understand that our loving God is in control. And we have failed to hope in him knowing that one day he's going to change our situation and it's going to be different. And even if he does not change it, we know that one day, one day, what we see now will no longer be there because it's temporary. And so this morning as we examine the, the fourth team, love, from the, what, what is being celebrated at the, at the Advent season, we recognize that because God is love, he demonstrates his love to his children. He does not say, okay, you know, sometimes people will say, I am a this, I am this, but only them alone know what they are because nobody else benefits or nobody else sees at least a trace of it. But because God is love, he shows love and he uses his love to conquer the world. According to eHarmony, the website that most persons are not most but persons are going to define love love is defined as a powerful and permanent neurological condition that is felt Yamadi says love is a chemistry it's a commitment that one makes when they are compatible and it is something that they do not have any control over so in essence Yamadi is saying that love is only done when it is felt Miriam Webster defines love as a quality or feeling of strong or constant affection for the dedication to another. And again, Miriam Webster is saying, love is felt. It's something that you feel. That feeling that you feel when you get that feeling. So both Miriam and eHarmony is defining love as a feeling. However, for us to better or best understand love, we have to look to God, the author of love, who himself exudes love. So let us look at what it means when we say, or what God means when he said, God is love. Love began with God. Love comes from God. God is the God of love. 1 John 4 78 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, 
for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So love we are recognizing is not something that God does. Love is the very nature and essence of God. Love is who he is. God is the source of all love and therefore he cannot but love. His love is closely related to his goodness and to his mercy and his faithfulness. Love is the highest virtue. And so God reveals that his love is unconditional. In Exodus 34 verse 6, he proclaimed to Moses that he is slow to anger, but he's abounding in love and faithfulness. And he maintains his love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. God embodies love, and in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 8, we see that God is patient, because God is love, right? So God is kind. God, God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. Think about it. God who can do everything is not proud. God does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrong. Because he said, as far as the east is from the west, so have I forgiven your sin and remember them no more. God does not delight in evil, but he rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. So God can be trusted because his love is not only for today, it is forever. The scripture said God's love endures forever. His love is unconditional and boundless. He is concerned with every detail of our lives, even when the evidence is saying otherwise. Let us look at the track history or the track record of God. Think about how often the Israelites rebelled. Rebelled and rebelled and rebelled. And even when he sent his prophets to warn them, they rebelled and they, and they, they, they joined up with the Assyrians and the Egyptians. And they rebelled and they rebelled. They failed to look to him. But what we saw him demonstrating, patience and kindness. When you think about Adam and Eve, and this example I got from Sean, Sean showed me, he said, even when Adam and Eve sinned, because God so loved them, what he did, he made tunic to cover them to keep them warm. What a loving God. So you would think that someone broke fellowship with you. Someone sinned and did the opposite of what you told them to do. And yet in the midst of their sin, God felt that he should protect them. He should cover them. He should clothe them so that they can be warm. And though that was physical protection, he was also saying to them, I am here for you because I have a plan to redeem you. 
So God does not change according to Malachi 3.6. So if he showed loving kindness to others, will he not show the same kindness to you if you are his children? Therefore, like Ezra, in moments when we cannot understand and it seems as if God is, is delayed and we're wondering, but God, how could you say you love me as your child? And the doors of opportunities are not opening. Oh God, how could you say you love me, yet you have me in a situation that makes me sad? Or how could you say you love me and not respond immediately as I cry? But Ezra um, commands us this morning. He says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. So Ezra is saying to us, God's love is not only in a distant future. God's love is for you today, it is for you tomorrow, and it is for you forever. As long as you are alive, God's love is made available to you. God's love is dynamic. Not only is God the God of love or the source of love, but his love prompts action. God's love prompts the redemptive act of, of, act, sorry, of atonement and forgiveness. And in John 3.16, that sister Anne read this morning, we see that God loved us, loved the world. It's as if he was saying, I love the world more than I love my son. Or I love the world so much that I will part, I will abandon, I will sin, I will give up my son to die. So that everyone who hears the message, the message of the gospel, to hear that redemptive message, would hear and come and turn. God sent his only one son. And I thought about it. Okay, I have two sons. But which son would I want to give up for anybody to be saved? Which son would I willingly part with to say, okay, so that you can be saved, I'm going to give up that one. And the reality is none. But God is saying to us, I so love you I so do not want you to perish because the reality of Jesus did not come will you be perishing and for those who did not or do not accept this free love that he's giving us they are perishing and he's saying because I so love the world I cause my son to be nailed on a tree and this week I was reading an article and it says Jesus had to come as the son of God and the son of man because only then could he truly represent both parties. If he came only as the son of God, he could not identify with man. And if he came only as the son of man, he could not stand representing the purity that was required to stand before God. And so just as Adam sinned, as they ate of the fruit from the tree Jesus was nailed to that very tree 
And we, and we see what God did. It's like he, he, he mirrors what is done. And even as sin was initiated by Eve, was the one who ate of the apple and brought it to Adam, we recognize that God had to become, Jesus had to come as the seed of a woman. And so God did everything. He had everything in place. He had everything in place to redeem us, to reconcile us. Because there is no greater love than this. There is no how many persons, and when you stop and think about all the persons you have loved or who say they loved you or you felt loved by, none of us would die for them and none of them would die for us. No matter how people are saying, I love you, nobody is going to lay down their lives for you. And unlike the world's definition of love, God's love is a choice that God made. And, he, and, he, and, he, and he not only did he make the choice to love, but his love motivates him into action. Isaiah encourages us in Isaiah 41 verse 10 and he says, Do not fear. For I am your God. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you in the times when you are weak. And I will help you when you need assistance. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Because I love you, says the Lord. God loves us first. And he enables us to love. 1 John 4.19 tells us that it was God who first loved us. So we may think that it was we got to that place where we said, okay, it's time to serve the Lord now. John 15.16 says, you did not choose me. I chose you. And not only did he just choose us, he chose us with a purpose. He chose us to bear lasting fruit. Not fruit that is only today in season. So it's not a cherry fruit. That, is, that comes around in the summer and in, and in the Christmas season and you don't longer see it. It's not a mango fruit. It's a fruit that lasts. He chose us to bear a lasting fruit. And he says, we love because he first loved us. God was the first to initiate, to reach out. And even though we are not, when we were not thinking about him, he said, I am sending my son into the world over 2,000 years ago for those nappyheads who will be born later. For those girls and boys who, who, who would be wayward naturally to say to them, I love you in advance so that my son would die so that you can know that I love you. The songwriter says, yes, he loves me. When he was on the cross that day, imagine, imagine when Jesus was on the cross because the scripture says God took the sin of the world and placed it on him because in Jesus there was no sin. So the sin was placed on him. 
Imagine the weight. Imagine you're carrying a, 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 a backpack with, with books. Or you're carrying a backpack with weight and how the weight sometimes can, can have you lean to one side. And he was bearing the weight of the sin of the world that he himself did not do. That is love. That is love that sought me out and sought you out before you knew you needed it. That is love. God communicates his love by pouring his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so every desire you have to love and every time you feel that you love or you want to love, don't think it is you. Don't think that you are good enough to even want to love someone. We are naturally selfish. Our first desire is to love us first. And even people who can't even love themselves, God is saying, I have poured my love into the hearts of my children. And so if you're a child of God today, God is saying, I have poured my love into your heart. Change your mind. Change your thought life. Because you are loved. And if you are not his child this morning because you have not yet surrendered, he's saying to you, I love you long before today. I made preparation for you before. 2,000 and, and, and odd years ago. So every desire you and I have to love and to be loved that we experience, it is God's love that inspires it. Every desire that you have to love others, it is God's love that stirs and awakens your hearts to respond to his love. And to love others as he loves. So you may have a hardened heart this morning. Because situations occur. And you're saying no. I am, I am withholding myself. I, I am protecting myself. And we all go through that. But God is saying to you. When my love is in your heart. You're inspired to love. When my love is in your heart, it stirs and awakens your heart to receive my love and to love others. Where is your heart this morning? Have you allowed situations to harden your heart so that you cannot experience God's love, to even love those who we call unlovable? Have you allowed situations in your life to so harden your heart that you cannot love as God has called you to love. Not only has he called you, but he enabled you and me to love. Many times, you and I, we may say, we love. And we think about people where we say we love. And there are persons that will come to our minds, we have a little warmth in our soul spirit. Eh? But the truth is, if that person hurt you or hurt me, we start to question that love. That love disappears, it vanishes. Because our love is conditional. But God is saying to us this morning, I love you with an everlasting love. I do not put conditions around my love for you. And even when I am disciplining you, according to Hebrews 12, 6, that he says, I discipline those I love. He's saying to you that everything I do is motivated from my love for you. God demonstrates his love for us 
even when we were his enemies. And the reality is, when you are not a child of God, the reality is you are an enemy of God. There's no middle point. You can't say, okay, no, I'm walking on the gray area. I believe God, but I am not, I'm not surrendered. No, you're an enemy. It's either you are for the state or you're an enemy of the state. It's either you are for God or you're an enemy of God. God took our sins and he placed them on his son Jesus so that this morning you and I can walk away and walk around without that burden. I thought about something I did the other day when I went into Home Depot. It just crossed my mind. I broke a piece of flour that I shouldn't have broken. It was not mine. I didn't ask. And though I wasn't hiding, I openly broke it. I wasn't hiding. But the Lord convicted me and he said, but it was not yours. And prior to him convicting when I came, when I came home, is that my spirit felt a little troubled. And then he started to show me that though you were not hiding to take it, you broke something that you didn't pay for it. It was not yours to take. And I realized, oh my God, the heaviness of that one act. The weight of that one sin. How it felt. Imagine how Jesus would have felt. Or imagine how I would feel this morning standing, carrying all of my sins without God forgiving all of the others prior to now. Imagine the weight. Imagine the condemnation. Imagine the turmoil in my mind that I'll be experiencing and the lack of peace that I'll be going through. But Jesus bore it all. God placed it on him. And so this morning, you and I, those who are his, those who have said yes to him, can be free. So if he did that then, when we were not thinking about him, Imagine what he will do now that we are his. God's love is total. It has no boundaries. It reaches to every corner of our experience. Paul in the Ephesians, to the prayer to the Ephesians, for the Ephesian church, he says, I pray that they may grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ and that they may know this love that surpasses knowledge, that they may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So Paul was saying, you know, I pray that to the entire experience of the Ephesian church will have, they'll understand the width of God's love. They'll understand the depth of God's love that even when they are discouraged, that God's love will reach them into the darkest places. He prayed that to, 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 no matter their celebration, how high their celebration is, they will understand that it is God, that God's love is still above your mountaintop. And no matter how long you live, God's love exceeds it. So imagine. Imagine understanding. So, so Paul says, I want you to grasp the depth, the width, the length, and the height of God's love. 
and how deep this love is. So it because this love surpasses all our knowledge. So no matter how read, well read you are or how, how, how well learned you are, the love of God surpasses every understanding and knowledge and wisdom that human being could have. And when we understand the love, it fills us with the fullness of God. So Paul is saying, if you are depressed today, no matter how deep your depression is, God's love can go deeper. And if you are celebrating today, no matter the height of your celebration, God's love is above that. And if you are 140 today, God's love can take you further. And whatever your, your experiences are, whether good or bad, God's love was there and it could have been worse. When you stop and you think, about the things that happened to you or what you did and you realize, oh God, you kept me. God's mercy, the songwriter says, kept me and he wouldn't let go. And if you stop and think about the things you did and, and, and we all have things that we consider good sins or bad sins, but all sins are sins. And if we stop and we think about the sins that we committed, the things we do, and how God came and got us. He was there. And you'll hear people will say, you know, I was raped. And they could still see a glimmer of hope. They could still see God's hand in it. And I remember a young lady told me, she said, you know, I think she said she was raped about nine times. But she still saw God's hand protecting her in it that when it could have been more persons no, nobody else came or, or the other one who came decided that no I'm not going to be a part of it when they could have ravished her over and over and over one or two said no I won't join not tonight and that is the love of God that even when your experience is so awful he reaches to the depth and he lifts you up and he picks you up. And he says, this my child, I am still showing you love. When you are feeling discouraged, isolated, lonely or hopeless, remember that God's love is vast. It has no limit. It has no boundaries. It is not only for, for next year or next week or when, when he returns as king, but it is for your now. God is omnipresent and so wherever you are in your experiences in life and in your present location, God is. David says, where can I go from your presence? Where can I really go, God, that you are not there? Where can I go, God? Where can I be? What situation can I be in, God, that you are not there? Already declaring and showing me your love. Where can you go today? What can you encounter or be in that God's love cannot reach there? His loving kindness are new every morning. Great is the faithfulness of our loving God. 
So think about your experiences today. Where are you today? Where are you today that God cannot reach down to you? Are you lonely? Are you depressed? Are you discouraged? Are you sad? Are you losing hope because the situation is not changing? Do you feel unlovable today? And you may feel that God cannot love me because of who I am. If he knows or if he knew my thoughts, only if he knew my thoughts, he would not love me. I'm here to tell you today that God's love reaches, the songwriter says, to the highest mountain. And it flows to the lowest valley. God's love through his son's blood reaches to the highest mountain. The highest parts of your life where you may be celebrating and everything is good. But it also flows to the lowest part of your life where you are down and dejected. All that God does is motivated by his love for you and I. His love cannot be earned. So we can't work for it. It cannot be bought. There is nothing anyone can do to make God love them more or love them less because he punishes you and loving you. So what can you do this morning not to earn God's love? God loves you to the point that he's always calling you, my child, come. My child, come. Here I am with arms outstretched, wide, waiting on you to come. Can you not grasp the vastness of my love for you, says the Lord. In Exodus 20, verse 6, he shows that he's loyal to the thousands who love him and keep his commandments. In Psalm 127, verse 2, he says, I grant sleep to those I love. In Psalm 145, verse 13, he says, I am loving towards all that I have made. So by none, think about that. If he says, I'm loving to all that, that means there is nobody that he doesn't love. And even when you are his enemy and he's fighting against his enemy, and we see it in the Old Testament, he's fighting against the enemy of Israel. Ever so often, if they turned... We see it happening. We see where the Midianites were told that they were outcasts and they were not to be. But we see God using a Midianite. We see God using a Moabite. And doing things that he would not have done if he hated. Psalm 3 verse 12 tells us that God disciplines those he loves as a father. The son he delights in. Zephaniah three seventeen says, God's love calms us and quiets his children. Romans 5, 5 tells us that God pours out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I am not sure this morning if you would be considered as the beloved because the beloved are those who already 
say yes and continue to say yes to God's extended hand of forgiveness. The beloved are those who say, Father, I recognize that I am a sinner and I'm in need of your forgiveness. Receive me today. I confess that what Jesus did on the cross was done so that I can be reconciled to God the Father. And I believe that he is the Son of God. But maybe this morning you're still struggling that even though I'm speaking, you're still struggling and I'm saying, God, you really can't love me. I've done so many things. I have done so many things, Lord, to prevent you from loving me. And he's saying to you, my daughter, my child, my son, I love you before today. I was the one who kept you. You could have lost your mind, but I kept you. You could have died, but I kept you. I kept you because I want you to know that I love you. My love for you is vast. It is high. It is long, it is wide, it is deep. You cannot earn my love. You cannot buy my love. I have chosen to love you. So it's not about what you do. It's not about what you, who you know. It's not about how you think. It's not about what you have. The choice to love first started with God. He initiated that love. He loved us first. And he communicates his love by pouring it into your heart. So this morning, I am not sure where you are. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are, but you know where you are this morning, and I want you to stop. Stop. Stop thinking about the other things that you were thinking about and say to the Lord this morning, you have an appointment with him this morning. The love, the loving God comes this morning to reveal to your heart. He says, I pour my love into your heart through the Holy Spirit. And when I pour it in, I stir you up. I strengthen you. I enable you to experience my love. Say to him this morning, Lord, I feel unworthy of your love. Lord, I need to receive your love. Lord, I wonder how you could love. And hear him speak back words of love to you this morning. He comes. He comes to show love. He said, okay, you may miss what I have done before. 
You may miss that I gave my son to die for you before, but I continue to love you every day. Have you not seen my hands? Have you not seen the traces of my hands? Have you not seen how I have protected you where you could have died from a sickness? I kept you where others died. Others died by having similar sicknesses. I kept you. Because I want you to know how much I love you. God's mercy kept me. God's mercy kept you and I this morning. And that is why we could stand or sit or even be listening to my voice this morning. He has kept us. And he says, when we hear him, do not harden your hearts. He calls us to experience, can you believe it? He's giving away something and we are hardening our hearts, not wanting to receive it. If, if, if we get an email right now that Amazon say I'm giving away a thousand dollars to the first person who will go online, persons will not even question it if they recognize that it is, it is authentic. The world will be on Amazon. It will crash that site. But nobody's crashing God's site. Because he's saying, I love you. I am giving you life, life abundantly. Life that you cannot buy. Life that you cannot earn. And he's saying, come and crash my site. Crash it, come. Come and receive the love that I have for you. Stop thinking about how unlovable you are. Because if I, the God who made you, can love you, why can't you love yourself? If I, the God who made you, and initiated love, poured my love into your heart, and wants to pour my love into your heart when you receive him, why can't I not enable you to love yourself and to love others. So this morning, Father, we stand in awe. We stand in awe of you, God. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the revelation that you have given me of your love. And I know, God, I'm, I've not grasped it 100% because it is so vast. In my humanness, I cannot. But I'm open, Father God, to every day understanding more and more of your love and how it transcends and how it encompasses all of my life and everything that concerns me. Lord, I thank you that I don't need to be reassured today. I know that I'm loved. I thank you, Father God, that you also demonstrated your love by allowing me to know that my Father, my earthly Father, loves me. And where there was once doubt, you have erased that doubt over time. And I thank you. And so, Father, I am mindful that there are others this morning who may not feel your love or experience your love the same way. And so, Father, I pray that you will reach down to the hearts 
that are hardened to the hearts that have mistrust and distrust and all the trust, whatever prefix you want to go before the trust. But that you will reach down this morning, God, the loving God that you are. You would reach down this morning and stir the hearts of your children this morning. Open the hearts and, and make pliable the hearts of those who are listening this morning whose hearts are hardened, God. Because they cannot believe. They fail to believe. They cannot see how I can believe. I cannot believe in a God who I cannot see. And some may think that there is this great requirement to be called the beloved of God. But this morning you're saying the only requirement I have of you is that you accept my love. And each day I will show you, I will walk with you and show you how to live from my love. And so Father, I thank you. I thank you that you got to me when, Lord, you were not on my mind. I thank you that you continue to love. Even when I went astray, your love kept me and it brought me back. And this morning, God, as, as, I, as, I, as, I, as I sat before you and I was saying, God, I don't even desire. I don't even desire to go away again. I don't even have that desire anymore. I do not desire to wander off. I do not desire to do anything that is displeasing to you anymore. And so, God, I know that was not me. That was your love strengthening and stirring me to love you back the way you love me. And so, Father, I just pray this morning that your love would just come in a palatable way, come in a tangible way, come in a real way, that everyone listening to the sound of my voice will be zapped by your love. The never-ending, reckless love of God. Lord, the, script, the song says, you chase us down. And you will leave all of the righteous ones to seek the only one who needs to hear you this morning. And I thank you, God, that you chased me down and you continue to chase me and to keep me in alignment. You chased me down when I was running in a different direction and you chased me and you overtook me and you stopped me and you poured your love on me in a way that, God, I could not yet but respond. So, Lord, I'm asking you to chase those who are running away from you this morning. Those who were once yours, but God are disappointed and are running away because of the lies of the enemy. Those who have yet to say yes to you, God, chase them down this morning. For those, Father God, who cannot understand, I pray for that wisdom of God, for that understanding of God, for that knowledge of God to go beyond their ability as human beings to grasp the width, the breadth, the length, the height of your love. 
and so that they may understand that your love surpasses every understanding and wisdom and knowledge that they would have. That is why we cannot understand. Your love is unfathomable. Your love is more than any human being can understand if you don't make it plain. If you don't come and give us the revelation, we cannot understand. So Lord, for every heart that is hardened, every heart that is in disbelief, chase them this morning. Do not giving up. Do not give up, God, on them. Chase them this morning and reveal your love. And so I thank you, Father, that we still have the reckless God, the reckless love of God available to us today. I thank you, Father, God, that you never will walk away. You are relentless. You won't relent, God, until you have it all. Oh, the reckless love of God. Chasing us down this morning. Can you envision God chasing you down this morning? Imagine you are running. Are you running towards him or away from him? Because if you are running to him, he's running to you. And if you are running away from him, he's running and he's going to overtake you. And he's going to stop you with his love. So Lord, we just give you praise and we honor you. Oh, the reckless love of God. Thank you, Father. Oh, the reckless love of God. Oh, the reckless love of God. Chasing us down this morning. You may be a youngster. You may be an older adult. You may be in your mid 40s, 30s, wherever you are, 80s, 70s. God is saying to you, You are never too old for me to love you. And you are never too young for me to demonstrate my love for you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, and leave the 99. I don't deserve it, and I couldn't earn it, but still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Before I spoke a word, you're singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. 
Before I speak a word, you sing your love to me. You've been so, so kind to me.
And as we go today, I pray that you will go recognizing that the never-ending, the reckless love of God is there waiting for you. I pray that as we, you continue to celebrate the Advent season, and as you continue to celebrate, and, and, and I know persons are looking forward to Christmas on Wednesday, I pray that you will truly understand why Jesus came. He did not come for us to have family gathering. He did not come for us to decorate trees and put up garlands. He did not come for us to be buying gifts for our friends. He came to show us his love so that we can understand the never-ending reckless love of God that comes to find us in our sinful state. So today, as you go, be mindful of the love of Christ and what it means for Christmas. If you do not know him, that's the best gift you could, could receive. It is love. And if you know him, continue to focus. Do not be distracted by the things around. The Christmas trees, the, the, the gifts that need to be wrapped. Focus on the giver of love himself. The one who made Christmas possible. And so as you go today, go knowing that the God of love is calling you to experience his love. Have a blessed week. A week filled with hope and peace and joy and faith and above all, love. Have a great week.
kicked out, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow, there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down. There's no shadow now, there's no shadow you won't light up. scripture to us. It's out of Luke 15. Sometimes people get confused by it, but I feel like the Lord's all over it tonight. I want to read it to us. <sighs> it says, now the tax collectors and sinners are all gathering around to hear Jesus. The Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes the sinners and eats with them. The religious people are mad. It sets the stage and Jesus pipes up. He told them this parable. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And after he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. He calls his friends, he calls his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me because I've found my lost sheep. And I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't. <laughs> Man, he's that good. I wanna just read a couple thoughts, just share a little bit of the story behind this song and then we'll sing that bridge one more time and we'll go nuts, we'll see what happens. So when I use the, the phrase, the reckless love of God, when we say it, we're not saying that God himself is reckless, he's not crazy. We are, however, saying that the way he loves is in many regards quite so. But what I mean is this, 
He's utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his actions with regard to his own safety, comfort, and well-being. His love isn't crafty or slick. It's not cunning or shrewd. In fact, all things considered, it's quite childlike. And might I even suggest sometimes downright ridiculous. His love bankrupted heaven for you, for me. His love doesn't consider himself first. It isn't selfish or self-serving. He doesn't wonder what he'll gain or lose by putting himself on the line. He simply puts himself out there on the off chance that you and I might look back at him and give him that love in return. His love leaves the 99 to find the one every time. And to many practical adults, that's a foolish concept. But what if he loses the 99 in finding the one, right? What if? Finding that one lost sheep is and will always be supremely important. His love isn't cautious. It's a love that sent his own son to die a gruesome death on a cross. There's no plan B with the love of God. He gives his heart so completely, so preposterously, that if refused, we would think it irreparably broken. Yet he gives himself away again and again and again and again, time and time again. Make no mistake, our sins do pain his heart, and 70 times seven is a lot of times to get your heart broken. And yet he opens up and allows us back in every single time. His love saw you when you hated him, and all logic said, they'll reject me. He said, no, I don't care what it costs me. I lay my life on the line as long as I get their hearts. To make it personal, his love saw me, broken down kid with regret as deep as the ocean. My innocence and youth poured out like water. And he found me and he put me on his shoulders. And he carried me on. Because he's just that good, he's just that kind. He's a father that never gives up. So as we sing this bridge and chorus one more time, just let it, let it break down those walls tonight. There's no shadow. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Yeah. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Yeah, again. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. He's breaking off self-hatred tonight. There's no wall you won't kick down, Lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow now. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't. Come on, let it rise. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't. Come on, declare it. No shadow now. There's no shadow you
Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for spending time and being a part of our family. I pray that you would be blessed and you were blessed. If you wish to call us with your testimonies or for prior, please call us at 469-333-0397. You may also email us at newhorizonmin at gmail.com. Thank you for being with us again and have a blessed week.